It's the show the establishment warned you about. And welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show, your choice for staying up to date with all the latest in free market medicine and all of the excitement in the news or elsewhere. Dr. Tommy Show is brought to you by Atlas MD, which is the preeminent medical software for membership medicine practices and soon to be the home of ePrescribe as well as EFX, which we do already for our our prescriptions and soon we'll be able to send uh, substances that are controlled to the various different uh, pharmacies throughout the nation without having to have them call us and ask for a wet signature. They ask for that anyway, though, don't they? Even though... Well, when you do eScribe, you won't have to do that because they've done some type of government verification process where they signed up and said, look, if you're an eScribe client, then you don't have to sign it because we've eScribed it. And anyway, once that's done, then there will be no more limitations on prescriptions because currently with Atlas MD, we prescribe medicines via fax, which in the old days of not too long ago, you could do that with virtually anything. I remember when I first started, you know, you could write Dilaudid on a regular prescription pad. Mm -hmm. And then it became where you need to have this special prescription pad and now you can't fax. And now you can't fax hydrocodone because that's been moved from Schedule 3 to Schedule 2. And before you know it, all these things are making your life hectic as a doctor. So Atlas MD, as it is always, has cut to the uh, problem and is solving it as we speak. And soon on Atlas MD, you'll be able to do e-prescriptions for controlled substances and also continue to e-fax if you'd like. Good. That'd be convenient. And if you'd like to try Atlas MD, if you're a concierge medicine or direct primary care doctor, you can go to Dr. Tommy Show, that's drtommyshow.com, and click on special offer for Atlas MD. And you can get Atlas MD for free for two whole months, which is a $600 value. Okay. Last week we took the week off because of home construction and. Uh, one of the things I saw on the news today was that there's somebody else taking off home construction. I don't know if you ever you know who Hall Notes is. Mm-hmm. Daryl Hall used to have this show called Live with Daryl, mm-hmm. where you go to his house and then the uh, artist whoever went there. I remember one time it was Billy Gibbons. I've seen various different artists there. They go there, they hang out with Daryl Hall. They like have drinks, they cook, talk about music, and they play music. Okay. Well, he's selling his uh, estate. It was a Two English, old English buildings that he moved to his uh, land and then pushed them together. And he re- rehabbed them. And uh, now it's on the market, I think, for 37.5, oh, $17 million. How big is the place? Uh let's see. We should buy it. Where's it at? It is Revolutionary Era Estate in Armenia, New York. That was restored by Daryl Hall and served as the site of Live from Daryl's House is now on the market for $16.9 million. This is from UltimateClassicRock.com. Called Fraser Ridge Farm, the Cascade Mountain Estate overlooks the Caskill and Berkshire Mountains and is one of and is on 432 acres that house a Georgia Georgian colonial guest barn, casita, casita cabin. Recreational barn and multiple outbuildings. In nineteen in two thousand four, Hall, the former owner, dismantled two eighteenth century homes dating back to seventeen hundred 
1770 and 1776 and restored them on the grounds to create an 8,000 square foot museum quality main house. Oh, um, are you able to put a picture up there? Uh, no. Oh. If we had a producer, we could do that. We need to hire a producer. I did have it up there. Then I had this other thing up there that I want to share later. So I had two browser sources. And then what it did was it replaced the one that I put up there with another one. Because there's this other thing from Keith Smith that I wanted to talk about on Twitter. And so I put up Daryl Hall's thing and then Keith Smith's thing. And then it made them both Daryl Hall's thing. So then I took down Daryl Hall's thing okay. and put Keith Smith's thing back up. Okay. That's what happens when you're trying to do a production of a podcast as well as host a podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, ultimateclassicrock.com. You can go the there and see it. Sound sleeper. Should be neat. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Oh, some advertisement. Anyway, so that's interesting because we have been recently doing renovations on your house, which is now for sale in Zephyr Hills. Yes. So if you're in the market for a house and you're in Tampa and you want to live in Zephyr Hills... Then you should. Lots of people want to live in Zephyr Hills. Then you should go to 7517 Merchantville Circle, search mm-hmm. that Google on videos, and then you can see the video I made of the house. Mm-hmm. That was pretty. Uh, we're getting pretty good at flipping buildings. I know, aren't we? With your parents. <laughs> yes, my parents, of course. They're, they're always so helpful. So we flipped that house in about a week and a half. A week. My sister. She was my tenant. Mm-hmm. She moved out on Sunday. Yeah. And then my mother and I finished up on, um, was it, it was Saturday. So six days. Yep. And so painting, rehabbing the kitchen a little painted bit. Painted the, pretty much. The painted, whole house. Yeah. The entire house. That was not my intention. Now the living room, we did not paint a few walls, yeah. but that was not my intention. But once we started painting, we just, you know. Okay, let's just do this. Yeah. As oftentimes it is during rehab of a house, your house is never nicer than right before you sell it. Mm -hmm. I remember that when I was a kid, my parents had always wanted to remodel their kitchen and put in new floors and put in, expand the kitchen, all that. And they did that just prior to selling the house and moving to Pennsylvania. They did? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it it wasn't planned that way, but that's the way it worked out. Oh. Just prior to selling their house, they remodeled it to the way they always wanted it for 20 years or however long they lived there. I That's kind of sad. Well, I haven't lived in my house for, um, let's see, March was a year. My sister's been living there. Um, we didn't really go in and do a lot of remodeling. We only just did the counter mm-hmm. and then just paint. But otherwise, it was just cosmetic. Yeah, but still, you know, doing that, flipping a house is a lot of work. You never realize how much things there are to fix in your house until you're trying to fix them to sell it. Yes. Because you can always live with it if you're living in the house. But if you're trying to sell it, then you're like, well, maybe I should. If I were to, you know, live in that home right now, I would be perfectly fine with the way it is right now, except for maybe new carpet in the bedrooms. Yeah. But other than that, it's, um, you know, it's good to go. And, um, you know, unless you're wanting a brand new home, Mm -hmm. when when you buy a home, you're going to expect... Um, the potential buyer to want to make changes. Well, most people so buy a house and then the first thing they want to do is paint everything different color. Or, right. You know, maybe, you know, redo a kitchen or a bathroom or whatever. Right. So they right. They the want freedom to, to do that. Yes. They want to do it to their own liking. Cause a lot of times you'll see these homes that are built and they said, Oh, it was completely remodeled or remodeled recently or what they call them, newly upgraded kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it and you're like, Oh God, that looks terrible. Right. Like, well, someone spent $20,000 upgrading kitchen that I don't want. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think maybe 
probably spent maybe between four to $500 in paint and, you know, the countertop. So I think that's a reasonable amount of money to spend on getting your house, um, you know, ready for a buyer. So house for sale in Zephyr Hills. Uh, The other thing I want to do is a movie review. And this is a movie we watched last night. And so I think we are on the cutting edge of uh, social media and podcasting because I think what we do now is people are used to movie reviews on movies that have just come out, right? How many people yes. watch movies that have just come out as opposed to movies that have been out for many, many years with the advent of streaming? Well, I don't know. Um, I, there might be more people than we think because of Netflix. Yeah. So I know? think a lot so- of people watch movies that were made 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago, maybe. I think so. Because, so, because of the, um, you know, Netflix streaming. and Hula and yes, yeah. whatever else. And buying. So. The Red Box. That's because going to the movie theater nowadays is very yes, it's very expensive. Lucky, luckily enough, that we can go on Tuesday, um, occasionally for the buy one get one free day for with AT and T. But it is an expensive uh, um, thing to do with your children and um, you know husband wife. It's gonna cost you fifty dollars just to walk in. So, so I think more and more people are doing Redbox, Netflix. So. Ahead of the game, like I said, we are going to review a movie that was made in 2006. And this movie, which many of you probably have not seen, is called The Inside Man. Or Inside Man. And it was uh, directed by Spike Lee. Stars- was it The Inside Man? Inside Man. Okay, I was thinking it was called The Insider. Inside Man. And it is directed by Spike Lee. It stars uh, Denzel Washington as a detective. Clive Owen as a brilliant bank robber. Jodie Foster as a... Uh, kind of mysterious fixer and Christopher Plummer as a bank executive and Willem Dafoe does a cameo as a uh, captain, which his entire role could have been written out of the script and you would have never even known it because mm-hmm. it's completely irrelevant to the story. And it's, it runs on the longer side. I think it was over two hours. At least it felt like it was. I believe it was a little over two hours. And it's um, so the basic gist of the story is a bank robber, Starts off the story. He's he's talking to you. He's breaking the fourth wall. He's talking to you directly about uh, how he's going to rob this bank. And he tells you what's happened. And he tells you when and everything. And then the story's going to be about how it was done. So then they go back in time to yes. how it was done. And they take a very long process uh, of explaining that. And along the way, we meet Denzel Washington and his partner, who are both detectives. And Denzel Washington's subplot is, is he's been accused of stealing some money, which is... Uh, very uh i don't say tired but very common thing that we have in cop movies Mm -hmm. guys been accused of being on the take or whatever so anyway so denzel washington plays that character and he plays it as denzel washington as we all know the uh cut to the chase no bs you know whether he's playing in a man on fire or the equalizer kind of quiet yet lethal you think sounds like anyway so that's denzel washington's character and then there's um Jodie Foster's this mysterious kind of, I don't know what she is. She's you know, a lawyer, a real estate agent. Her, her character is. definitely was mysterious. I still really don't even understand. And I think that's the point of it. It's like, who is this lady? She's mm-hmm. just this kind of get her done type person. Mm-hmm. Gets it done. Not get her done like Larry the Cable Guy, but gets it done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so it, ends, it takes a long time. It tells a kind of a, a cool twist at the end. It is an interesting story, but I think they could have cut out maybe 50 minutes of the story and made it a little bit easier to digest because I felt like it was a constipated movie. It was slow. 
very slow. And I don't understand still why they... I mean, it seems like to me there should have been more of a personal relationship between the bank robber and the person who owned right. the bank. Right. So some, part more, of the, some more history so there. part of the story is there's this guy who's trying to hide the secret. The chairman of the bank who's like, picture Chase Manhattan. And uh, he's got some thing he's trying to keep under wraps. And it's in the bank. So he hires Jody Foster to go in and take care of it. So mm-hmm. You have to watch the story to see how it was taken care of. It's kind of cool at the end. I think there's a few things that are very cool, such as when he, you know, the bank robber kind of helps the guy out. Yes. Washington. Yes. But- that was that was cool what happened at the end, but that's about the only thing yeah. that was cool. All right, so what do you give it? How many stars? What's the uh, out I of think 10? thumbs up and thumbs down is too hard. Okay, no, so let's of, not do it out, out of, of five 10. stars. I don't know four out of four stars. I don't know, five stars is too much. I think. What do you think? Four stars. I think four stars is good. If you say something's four stars, that's excellent. Okay. Well, then I'm you say, could either say two stars is okay. Okay, I'm going to say two stars. I'll say two stars too. So two stars for uh, Inside Man. I think if I'm, you know, I'm going to be watching a movie about cops and robbers, I want to see more action. I want to see uh, faster paced. Even if it's, even if they have to take the time to tell a story. I don't know. I think of a movie. There's a movie. I, I, when I was watching this movie, I thought of two movies. Dog Day Afternoon, which is a movie about a bank robbery. Very famous movie starring Al Pacino and John Cazell. And then there's a movie that I thought of called... Um, oh, shoot. What is it? This was Robert Redford. and um, Oh, I'll think of it here in a second. Anyway, it's a, it's a caper movie about... Uh, there's a twist at the end. It's similar to this. So I thought that those two movies reminded me of... Although they were done much, much better mm-hmm. than... This, but whatever. It's well, a, I love Denzel Washington. I think he's a great actor. And that's why we watched but, it. Um, anyway, would, um, would I sit down and watch it again? No. That's why we watched it was because of the cast, really. Right. And Clive Oden, um, Owen and Jodie Foster. Yeah. Whoops. Um, anyway. Move that mic. <laughs> Up. I just knocked it over. So that's that. Uh, what else is there? Now, this is something in the medical field here. AF, a, Association of Health Plans will be phased in for coverage from September to April. So this is something that this is from um, this is from Reason.com, and this is talking about Association Health Plans. Uh, association Health Plans are things that help people move into uh, a plan that is outside of Obamacare regulations if they are in a particular association. So this is something that Donald Trump signed an executive order uh, in- increasing the availability of these. And this is supposed to increase our uh, ability to get uh, more affordable insurance coverage. And so that's something that's going to be on the, on the horizon there. But there are some people who think that these don't do enough, including myself. Uh, so association health plans basically mean like if you are part of a group of let's say uh, restaurant owners, then you can band together throughout the United States and make an association health plan that's outside of the ACA and still be legal. Okay. Uh, but not have to be the only person in the group that's ensuring the whole thing. You can band together with other people. Let me just read what it says here. Uh, this is from reason.com. Uh, this is Michael Cannon at Cato does not like the idea. Trump's association health, Trump's association health plans 
builds on the broken model of employer-sponsored health insurance. I agree. That model in general, Canyon complains, deprive workers of control of their health insurance doctors and decisions. It sticks millions of workers with health plans that they would never choose themselves. It leaves millions of workers with uninsurable pre-existing conditions because it it disappears for no good reasons after workers get sick. It increases prices for health care and health insurance. The ongoing battle for government to fix something that they should have never been involved in in the first place. And you said that's supposed to take effect in September? Yeah, I think uh, the executive order was signed a long time ago, but according to this article, they're going to be September to April phased in for coverage. The best thing to do would be entirely out of the whole business of determining what insurance should be provided to people from the federal government perspective. And to that end, let's go to this. This is from Surgery Center of Oklahoma. This is on Twitter. This is Surgery Center of Oklahoma is responding to a uh, gentleman on there he says, so Surgery Center of Oklahoma is a, a surgery center that we don't have here in Florida, but it's in Oklahoma. It's a surgery center where you can go online right now if you're at home. So mm-hmm. surgerycenterok.com. And you can look up the prices of various different things. And so I'm not sure what the initial tweet was, but this is something that somebody responded to and tagged Surgery Center OK. It says 20000 out of pocket for a cervical fusion is, quote, affordable, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. You must not see the patients I saw during my 30-plus years of practice. How about in countries with national health insurance? No need to bring a wallet as it is free. Wow, how can, it, how can it be free? The doctors just do it out of their own. How do they How do, they do that? Well, the, the money for the doc, the, the doctors don't get paid. The hospital doesn't get paid. Uh, the lights to fund the electricity or the electricity to fund the lights, that's free. That's made from... Uh, magic beans and then the uh, instruments used in the surgery they're manufactured for magic too the staff the nurses staff staff? work for free and then they pay their rent for free that is generous they don't pay so they don't so yeah so dr uh keith smith replies the only single payer upon which victims of quote national health insurance have found they can rely on is after all themselves Quote, free medical service is a fantasy that is increasingly rejected in countries that have tried this deadly medical experiment. Experiment. So what he's thinking is free is mean the the person doesn't pay for it, which doesn't mean it's free. Mm -hmm. Like I can steal something. That doesn't mean it's free. It Mm -hmm. means I just didn't pay for it. Right, exactly. Someone can buy me something and give it to me and say, hey, here, here, Tommy, have this, you know, new microphone. But that's not free that mm-hmm. someone paid for it and gave it to me right, i didn't say, pay for it well, but it's not thank free. you who paid yeah. for this yeah so these people who uh propose for national health insurance uh want something that is seems to be free because people don't pay for it directly that's the key you don't pay for it directly mm-hmm. do you pay for it through uh, your taxes probably do you pay for it through uh lost opportunity to be well earlier yes so in a in a place where there's national health service or free international or excuse me government health care government funded health care yeah a lot of times they don't pay for things but they do pay for it directly they do pay for it through taxes mm-hmm. or if they can't afford to pay for taxes they pay through it in lost opportunity to be better earlier with better care that's affordable and available and have to wait because there is necessarily going to be rationing uh, with everything whenever there's a uh, fixed amount of anything. That's kind of interesting take on the 
things in the national media. Can you imagine just showing up and getting free with the cervical fusion? Well, some people think that you should not have to pay for things. It's the same thing when you go through the line at the grocery store and they're, the person in front of you is not paying for groceries. Their well, shopping cart's usually overflowing. There's this thing that there's a thing that exists in the world called good intentions and good feelings, good vibes, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of times when you make decisions based upon those uh, good feelings, those emotions that say, look, uh, maybe we shouldn't have to pay for medical care. Medical care is too important. Then you start uh, losing track of, of reality. So you, you start to think more based on emotions. And so your emotions tell you that, um, well, maybe people shouldn't uh, have to pay for this because they can't afford it. And then we're just going to give it to them. But So on the, on the surface, that seems like a good idea. And you say, well, look, they can't afford it. We'll just take from all these people that can't afford it. And um, then we will uh, give them the money and then they can get it, whether it's medical care or food or whatever. And then what you lose track of there is there's a couple things that you don't see. So it's what's seen and what's unseen. There's So there's a way that you could reduce all traffic fatalities in the United States to zero. You know how that is? How? You could, you could require people to drive five miles an hour on, okay. on the interstates or everywhere. You would see virtually a zero occurrence of fatalities. Now, that's what's seen zero occurrence what's unseen or not quickly will be seen but what's unseen is how much that will just completely disrupt everything so you use that example and you go back to saying well what's unseen about national health service so national health service is what's unseen is the extreme cost of it that it takes to run a program that is uh administered by people who have no incentive to do good work because people who run a bureaucracy, if it's a single payer by definition, have no competition. Mm -hmm. And so what's unseen is the fact that you will likely get inferior care because the people there are not incentivized. Perfect example. We have a child, Kaylee. Mm -hmm. Kaylee uh, is capable of doing chores. Um, Sometimes she'll do them willingly, sometimes not. Sometimes you have to kind of ask her. Mm -hmm. But she's going on vacation soon, right? Mm -hmm. And so she needs $100. And she had 20 from somewhere, and she got 20 from somewhere else, so she needs to make up the difference. She wants $100. Mm -hmm. So we could have just told her, okay, we're going to give you $100. Okay? And so instead we said, well, well what can you do to earn the rest of the money. Mm -hmm. And so she came up with a chore list. She asked us for input about different chores. Mm -hmm. And then we went through and we, and she said, well, how much will you pay me to do this? How much will you pay me to do that? How much? Anyway, she went home. <laughs> and as soon as we got home, she got out of the car. She walked right to the garage. Normally what she would do is walk to the house on her phone and go and play on YouTube or go play piano or whatever. But instead <laughs> she walks right to the garage and says, okay, let's go feed the chickens. And then let's go get the eggs. And so she did a lot of things because she had an incentive to do, <laughs> do you remember it. you to go check the mail? Oh, yeah. Then I was going to go check the mail. She goes, wait. Mm -hmm. No, that's my job. Because she's getting paid to do it. That's right. Anyway, so those people who work in a bureaucracy and national health service don't get paid extra if they do a good job on you. Now, that's let's, let's, not going to say that they don't do a good job anyway because they want to. But you know that people who are not going to – I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to be um, – a. Uh, a right-wing extremist to know that if you go to the social security office, you're going to get pretty, pretty <laughs> miserable service. Um, even if they're yes. good people there, just the, the system itself is miserable. It's, mm -hmm. it's, 
it's a system that's it's not good. It's not based on any yes. type of profit motive. <laughs> it's it's just based on those people are there. They're paid to work eight to five, and they probably are. It's a crushing system to them. A lot of them, and they just want to get through the day. And so you bear the brunt of that. Imagine doing that for your healthcare. How mm-hmm. how sad that would be. Anyway, that's what's seen and unseen. So seen with uh, National Health Service, patient doesn't pay directly. What's unseen? Uh, a lot of other things that a lot of the people will not tell you about if they're pushing it. Because mm-hmm. they only want you to see and feel good. That's the important thing. You have to feel but not think. I think that's it for today. Unfortunately, YouTube has made it to where we have very little selection on the music uh, because of something. I don't know. If, you've, if you're a YouTube person, uh, person who does podcasts on YouTube, you can see that they have severely uh, limited the music that you can play. So, But I did find one thing. That this is Stevie Ray Vaughan, and this is Shake For Me, written by Willie Dixon. And this is um, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. The late Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now, how do you know that when you um, pick songs, mm-hmm. does it say on there? Yeah, you have to go into music audio policies mm-hmm. and say, this will be banned, this mm-hmm. is allowed, blah, 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 blah. And then like the song I put last week, it said it's banned, but it's still playing, but I don't know, who knows. YouTube, what it does is they pay these people some money to play their songs. And I think what happened was they came probably came to another contract mm-hmm. and they said, okay, look, uh, you let us play this copyrighted music on YouTube uh, and we'll pay you uh, 0.0% of a penny mm-hmm. every time. And they, you know, I think at some point these, these, these people said, you know what, that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Cause what they did was YouTube said, look, we'll run your music with these ads and then the ads, people will click on the ads and then people will pay a lot of money to click on these ads and you'll get paid. So you're not selling your music directly, but you're making money off your music. And I think they did an experiment and the, the people said, we didn't make any money off of this. There's these ads are crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing I do when I get on YouTube and they start playing an ad is, Give it a thumbs down. I don't care what it is. Give it a thumbs down. Yeah. So anyway, if you uh, want to find more of the Dr. Tommy Show, go to drtommyshow.com, drtommyshow.com. And then for more information about concierge medicine in Tampa, go to dr, D-O-C-T-O-R, tommy.com, doctor, spelled out, dot com. Click on the bell to subscribe on YouTube and then also uh, subscribe everywhere else. Until next time, bye-bye.